towards for, uh, really continuing our discussion on invitees and licensees and the differences between invitees and licensees, and we're going to be focusing on how subtle these differences can be and how unique and challenging it can uh, be to actually resolve some of these issues. So, for example, we have Campbell v. Weathers, where a person was loitering in a shop, uh, walking around. He had been a shop uh, customer in the past, but he ended up going to the bathroom, and in the dark hallway, he fell in an open trap door and was injured there. And so we're trying to figure out whether or not he's an invitee or a licensee, because if he's an invitee, well, then he's got a much stronger case that this will go to the jury, and if he's a licensee, it's a much weaker case that this will go to the jury. And why is because the duty to the landowner is different in those situations. So for example, if he was a licensee, well then the landowner would have to warn him of any hidden dangers that the landowner knew about. And if he's an invitee, the landowner has a duty and to warn of any hidden dangers to the uh, plaintiff that the landowner knows about, but he also needs to put in a reasonable effort to discover hidden dangers uh, that the landowner might not know about. And that's the difference duty between an invitee and a licensee. And what ultimately happens here is that he is determined to be an invitee because he had been a customer in the past. Uh, he was going to the bathroom. The bathroom was a public bathroom. Oftentimes, the public toilet is seen as enticing to customers to bring customers in to draw them in so that uh, they can buy their stuff because a public bathroom is more likely to draw in customers than a non-public bathroom. And so we can look at all these things to determine whether or not a person is an invitee or uh, or a licensee. There are two types of invitees. There's a business visitor. And it doesn't matter if they make a business transaction, as we see in this case, if they have a history of making business transactions or if they're acting as a potential customer, well, then they are a business visitor. And then there's public invitees, and that's where the premises are open to the public. So, for example, you go to a park and there's an art show. Well, then that's a, you are a public invitee of that art show. What about figuring out when the status might change from a person being a licensee to an invitee. Uh, For example, say uh, you make a purchase and then you want to grab another box uh, unrelated to that purchase and unrelated to a purchase at all. And the landowner says, yeah, the box is in the back. I'm kind of busy right now. Go ahead and grab the box. Well, does that person's status change from an invitee to a licensee because he's no longer doing a business dealing? Or is his status remaining an invitee, and even though the back of the store is not part of it, the landowner has extended the invitee status into those additional premises? And the question is, well, the answer is ultimately it's kind of hard to figure out the interests, the differences here. This case that these facts are based off of is uh, called Whelan versus Venata. And what happened here is that he had tripped down a staircase uh, in the back that 
wasn't lit. And ultimately, does it really matter whether or not a person is a licensee or an invitee? Because their duty to warn might really be the same. Like, for example, they're arguing with about the status of this person. But does his status really matter when the result's going to be the same? Like, t- take a look, for example. He might be unaware of the hidden danger. And it was a hidden danger because there was a stairway in a dark hallway. And the landowner might be aware of that hidden danger and fail to warn. Well, if he fails to warn, then this is a jury question anyways, regardless of his status. Because he would have already passed the easier test of a licensee. And because of these subtleties, uh, courts have actually decided that they are going to abolish the distinctions between licensees and invitees. For example, in Iowa, everybody who is invited onto the premises, regardless of a licensee or an invitee, is going to be considered a visitor. There's no distinction there anymore. There is a distinction for trespassers, but licensees and invitees are considered the same. Obviously, different people are given different privileges still, but as far as the duty that the landowner might have, it doesn't really make a difference. Let's talk quickly about a couple of other categories. Uh, What duty do landowners have to trespassing children? Uh, It's different for trespassing children because we want value Uh, children more just because they're more delicate and and need help. And so courts have established the attractive nuisance doctrine. Now, all this says is that it holds landowners liable for injuries that children might sustain due to artificial conditions or features on the land that entices the child to actually encounter that feature on the land. So, for example, a swimming pool could entice a child to come onto the land or even if the child trespasses onto the landing and encounters the swimming pool, well, then they may be susceptible to that danger. And this is outlined in the Restatements of Tort, Section 339. And the way the test works is that we need to ask if the owner knows that children are going to trespass, meaning has there been evidence of trespassing children in the past? Is there a feature, an artificial feature, that could cause injury to the children, and does the landowner know of that risk? Do children, because of their youth, know, or rather, do they not appreciate the danger? And then ultimately, we're going to conduct a risk-burden analysis of how difficult would it be for the landowner to minimize this risk for the injury that the children may sustain. And then finally, we have privileged persons, regardless of whether or not they have consent. For example, a firefighter who comes onto the premises or a police officer who comes onto the premises. What duty do landowners owe to them? Courts have dealt them as a licensee, as an invitee. They've uh, handled cases where they're entitled to certain privileges that licensees or invitees have. Uh, They've been treated as a separate category. 
and ultimately uh, they are other courts have said that they're entitled to reasonable care regardless of whatever status they have this has led to the firefighters rule though and what the firefighters rule is just simply saying that a person has no duty to a professional who's coming on uh, for uh, to protect their property however if a firefighter for example is injured from something that has nothing to do with the fire so say he runs into the house to uh, save people from the fire and then he actually gets injured from falling at a construction site well then that construction site has nothing to do with the fire and he could be the homeowner could be liable for those construction site uh, factors and that is premises liability Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials. And the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.